Welcome to Manager Tools. The Manager Tools Performance Review System, Part 2. Here we go. This cast answers these questions. What's the best way to set up a performance review system? How often should I rate my directs? Who should rate the performance of directs and how? If you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. If you want to end your year on a good note with a good performance review, the way to start and go through the year is with one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, and delegation, the Manager Tools Trinity. And the best way to do that is with Roadmap, our new app within the Manager Tools app. And it's available to all licensees of Manager Tools content. Come to the website and check it out. We're in part two of um, something unusual. We're talking about organizational systems. And this case, in this time of the year, it's not a bad thing to talk about performance review systems. And so in part one, we talked about surprising for a lot of folks who have not listened to us before. If you've been listening a long time, not surprising. All ratings are provided on a one-page form. Many folks, both managers and directs, will be happy to hear that one. Yes. Uh, and um, one-page forms need not include, not that they can't have, but they need not include quantitative evaluations. So if you, folks, if you haven't listened to part one, go back to part one and listen to those before continuing. Otherwise, assume you have, let's go on with our our next point. And, and the next one actually make uh, a lot of managers happy. I think, I'm yeah. pretty sure, right, that performance review forms may be completed in legible handwriting, and they don't necessarily have to be typed. Absolutely. It's a simple fact is we're talking about making things easier, digitization, and, and uh, you know, people tell me all the time, what do you do about your notes? Do you type your notes up? I'm always shocked when people say, oh, yeah, after every one-on-one, I type up my notes. I send a copy to the direct, and I think, boy, you're you're just making the one-on-one too formal. Uh, you're now taking notes for your direct, which we ought not to be taking notes for other other adults in one-on-one meetings. It might be good in a meeting with ten people to have a facilitator and a note taker to capture deliverables and so on, but we don't recommend spending a bunch of time capturing your notes in a typewritten form because a lot of people started doing that years ago before we could simply take a picture of our notes and text it to somebody. And uh, if your handwriting is not legible by other people, then you can interpret it for them and send them the notes that way. Uh, it's still in your digital record. And if you're, if you're pretty good at it, uh, you can use Evernote or many of the other systems and apps and programs that will allow you to either turn it into actual text, typed text, or simply have a really good record in chronological order. It is amazing to me how we're typing more uh, in the same way that when I go to a a doctor's appointment, I fill out the same form every time. And I'm handwriting all those things in the form. And I know that form is not, they're not paying anybody to type up that form and put it into a system. Um, so we need to translate into a world where we can t- take handwritten notes. Uh, we're not the board of directors. Um, that said, Mike, I want to take a brief detour and cover two things that um, might surprise people. I'm worried that when we get to the end of this multi-part series, a, a unique departure for us to make a recommendation about an organizational system. There are two things that are missing from this cast. I left them out of the first cast, but I can't wait any longer before I start getting mail from people saying, why didn't you say A and B? So the two things that are left out of this cast are uh, mid-year reviews and self-reviews. 
So folks, if you don't know, Manager Tools is for managers. It's for individual managers. And this cast is somewhat of a departure from that. And I wanted to put out the majority of our guidance about performance reviews all at one time. So you've heard a theme in the last weeks, if you're a regular listener about performance reviews, we just finished a series of casts on not getting rid of your performance reviews. And this is our recommendation for how to fundamentally change the most important succession planning uh, process that the organization has uh, in terms of gathering data to fuel those steel cage deathmatch meetings that lead to talent planning and talent succession management and so on. So let's talk about frequency first. You'll notice in our system, in the Manager Tools Performance Review System, there is not a requirement to do a mid-year review. There isn't. And the reason for that is twofold. One, when you hear the rest of our guidance for when reviews happen, first of all, you'll notice it's not an annual review system. It's a performance review system. Annual is bad. Uh, and our guidance about managers doing a mid-year review was for the manager and the direct to have a chance for a mid-course correction. And if you'll notice, if you're a, a longtime Manager Tools listener now, 13 plus years, uh, you'll notice that uh, we recommended quarterly reviews with a with a semi-formal one in mid-year. That's not in this system. And the reason why is because mid-year reviews were attempted to address the stupidity of annual reviews and the system being kicked off on an annual basis. You can mitigate that a little bit by doing an annual review at the time, at the anniversary of hire or at the anniversary of a start of a job, uh, but most people aren't doing that. They're doing annual reviews around the calendar year. So we're still in favor of managers doing a midpoint check-in if, in fact, one of your employees has been working for you for six months and you expect that they'll be there for six more months and you'll be writing their end of year review, but not calendar year. It'll just have been 12 months, them working for you. But that's not part of the organization's succession planning process. And that would be an informal communication between your direct. In other words, that would be a manager tool, not a system-wide organizational tool. So that's why we're not talking about mid-year reviews. Secondly, uh, you'll notice that we have previously recommended that you ask your directs to do a self-review because, again, that's a manager tool. It's for you to get some input from your directs. If you're listening now as an individual manager, we still recommend you do that. And you go back to January of 2006 when we put out our four-part series about how to prepare, how to write, and how to deliver a review. And part of the preparation is having your direct do their own self-review using the same form that your organization uses. We're not saying we don't want you to do that. We're saying we don't want the organization to compel you to do that. In other words, the moment the organization says we're going to do a self-review, now suddenly we've got an additional administrative burden, and it's been our experience that those self-reviews would not be used except in the case of a, a wildly divergent issue where probably it's no surprise that the manager and the direct are disagreeing. So there's a distinction here between tools for managers, and you are the organization to your directs, but you are not the entirety of the organization. And for HR in your organization, and there's a lot less people in HR than there were 25 years ago or 30 years ago when organizations manage people's careers. If you're 25 and that surprises you, well, sorry, that's the way it used to be. 
Um, because there's a lot less HR people, the idea that every single review would come with a self-review and the reviews themselves are not being fully vetted, not being fully reviewed, not fully known in detail by your HR business partner, the idea then that a self-review would be checked is ludicrous. So managers, we encourage you to ask your directs for self-reviews, but it's between you and them. Now, if you need a defense, if you want to take that to your boss, uh, you know, your, your direct skip level boss, or you want to take it to HR and show how you and your direct were in alignment, that's fine. I'm not, not saying it's not a document worth keeping, but it's not a document the organization ought to compel, which is what we're talking about here. I knew those questions were going to come up, Mike, so I figured I'd just get them out of the way. Good. Yeah, that, that will keep our inbox. <laughs> yeah. Oh, not our inbox. My inbox. Oh, yeah. Why didn't you mention self? Why didn't you mention frequency? Why didn't you mention mid-year review? Well, when you listen to the rest of this and how often you may have to review somebody, you'll understand. And I'm sure I'm going to get mail about that, but I don't want to get mail about both when one solves the other's problem. Yeah, and and, and, and I mean, we're not complaining about those mails because no, no, that just, no, that just suggests that people are paying attention and, and coming back and making sure that your guidance is uh, internally consistent, which is... Folks, you can always email us at customerservice at manager-tools.com. If it's about a manager tools content-related issue, I'm going to see the mail. And in the vast majority of cases, unless it's a fairly standard thing, like go listen to this one podcast, you're going to get an answer from me. Um, it's part of my job every day. I do email three times a day. And I was pleased to note that in the Wall Street Journal, a CEO of a fairly well-known company said, I do a lot less mail. And my, my emails now seem like text messages because I've discovered that I cannot adjudicate, I cannot debate, I cannot discuss, I cannot elucidate, I cannot question, I cannot muse in email without taking hours, particularly if you think of yourself as a good writer and therefore you want to write the way you speak. But conversational speech is very different from what you might do if you were presenting to someone. So I was I was pleased to note that this person had cut back enormously down to two and a half hours a day of email from, I think he said five hours a day doing email. Good. Okay. Back to legible handwriting, not typed. Yeah. So think of it this way. If you oversimplify things, there are two types of data on performance reviews, quantitative and qualitative. If we eliminate all, or even most of all, quantitative data, an interesting question pops up. What's the value of having managers type up their reviews? So review systems exist not only to provide task management, we'll talk about that later, uh, in terms of the tasks of reviews, but also to allow relatively quick system-wide data analysis because of the quantitative data that organizations gather. If we eliminate the numerical, the forced comparative items on there, which are, as we said before, often not used or used only in extreme cases, uh, and they're overinflated uh, as well, um, we're left with prose or text, which isn't going to be useful comparatively or organizationally. The chances that a 10,000-person organization would say, here are the phrases you must use to indicate to us that this person is superlative or unique. And I always love it when people write very unique because unique means singular, one. 
you can't compare text. You're, you're not going to compare text. So therefore, all written comments to have value must be read. And they're read individually. And it would be a shame to think that one person doesn't know the clues and therefore doesn't use the phrases that the experience manager does. And therefore, the experience manager's B player, whom he makes sound like an A player, wins out over the A player who gets written up like a B player because, again, the newer manager doesn't know the cues and clues that are necessary to get the right answer for his or her person. I would be very shocked if somebody says, oh, yes, we need to prescribe phrases and adjectives and adverbs, uh, and then add to that the international nature of organizations today, and then say, oh, and we're going to search on those words or phrases, and you would have to have typed text entered into a database in order to look at that. Text or prose won't allow normed comparative uses in reviews. That's already not being done. Even though we have text, typed text, we're still not doing it. So we're not losing anything by not typing. Now, years ago, you would have said, you know, we can't store all of these images. You're absolutely right. Today, storage is cheap. You can store images. Secondly, the vast majority of people I know do not interact with the database. They interact with a printed form. This time of year, December, January, I see managers traveling with heavier than normal briefcases. It also spikes up each quarter, for senior people anyway, and they're looking at performance reviews. They're looking at multiple page performance reviews and they're looking at printed versions. Now, admittedly, this is on airplanes, but I don't think that many managers or executives, please feel free to write me and tell me that you and 10 of your friends all look at everything online. But I don't know that looking at a handwritten review on an iPad, uh, just flipping through pages, would be any less accessible than a typed version, particularly since most of the databases won't allow you to adjust the size of the type such that you can see it if you're older. Now, let's say that you did have typed text. You might use it locally, but what ends up happening is the value of the review ends up becoming superseded by the verbal communication that happens around the written communication. Decisions aren't made on the basis of a pure analytical evaluation of the typed text. It never is. Now, that said, there are a couple of good reasons to keep reviews typed. First of all, there's something to be said. I hate to say it. People tell me I'm wrong, but okay, this is our cast. There's something to be said for form and neatness particularly on someone's review, okay? A manager who presents a sloppy and unflattering review to a direct makes the conversation with the direct that much less likely to be effective. And to me, that's an abuse of role power to some degree, in my opinion. Uh, if I'm going to write a review and I'm going to give it to somebody, I want them to know I've been thoughtful about it. Now, if you've worked for me for 10 years, you know darn well I've been thoughtful about your review. You can see themes in the review that we've been talking about for months throughout the entire year. You're going to see reminders of things that happened in January, February, and March. That's how I get my credibility for being thoughtful, for being complete, for being professional about the delivery. Now, 
Secondly, and I alluded to it already, if you type the review, it allows them to be entered online into any system the organization uses. Technically, that makes the task management of the system tasks, what manager has done what in what form and so on, it makes that a little bit easier. You can upload a review that's typed into a database. You can mark it as complete a little bit easier. Most of the systems are queued that way because they're probably five years old in some cases. And we weren't quite in the digital image world that we are in now in 2017, 2018. And a review can be forwarded electronically for signature and so on. You can do red, amber, green reporting based on given rankings and so on, even for a partially completed review. And so that's fair. You could use those as legitimate things to say, no, I'm going to have my folks type it. My folks are typing all the time anyway. It shouldn't be a problem. Okay, fine. But we would argue images of reviews can also be easily uploaded. And now this is my bugaboo, and a lot of people will disagree with this. Systems, online database systems and so on, particularly now in light of legal issues and so on, can't be used in just any situation. I know people who cannot log into certain internal corporate systems um, from plane. You certainly can't use a system when you're offline. And out of the office, security can be an issue, right? Now, I was shocked by this. I've mentioned this before in a couple other casts, and maybe I'm the last person to know I'm the sixth man on the deal team. But if Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Facebook, has duct tape over his laptop webcam while he is in the offices at Facebook, holy moly, that guy ought to be bank vault protected by 15,000 systems, and they're pretty smart over at Facebook. So exposing succession planning data to hackers, thieves, competitors ought to be in the conversation. And if you were to download a bunch of text files and look through it, you could probably have a bot look through that text for unique stuff, whereas I think the bot would struggle a lot more with a handwritten form. Let me say something else. A manager without the trust of her directs can type up any review she wants and it won't be fully accepted. And a manager with her team's trust could write a review on a napkin and have it sworn by. And that sounds nice. Your organization does have an obligation to reduce its risk from the untrustworthy manager. And so we respect those who would say, yeah, we're going to have it typed. But the fact is, the weight of the evidence has ticked over to handwritten and image uploading, and more and more organizations will start to do it. Yeah, it works fine. And by the way, folks, I, I know a lot of you are, are waiting, probably not going to talk about it in this version of our organizational uh, performance review system, but Mark is working on late, uh, probably, I don't know, September, October 2018 system where, in fact, I, and, and I know you know it's coming and you want it, is we will be uh, adding to the end of the form um, a section for hashtags. And so that's how it's going to work. And you can use some of our favorite <laughs> hashtags, you know, hashtag winner, hashtag superlative is one of Mark's favorites, hashtag number one, hashtag <laughs> bootlicker, hashtag loser. There, and we'll have with our system, we'll have a long list of hashtags that you can use so that when the uh, your image is uploaded and scanned, it will automatically add tags and uh, it'll be very easy to do. Yeah, uh, yeah, good. A moment of levity for manager tools. Very nice. Oh, was I joking? 
<laughs> Since you put a deadline on my work, I thought it was a joke from the very beginning. It's not the hashtag problem. It's the problem that I put a deadline on your work. Good enough. Let's go back to uh, frequency annually at a minimum. Yeah. So we've talked about the form, one page, handwritten, okay? And we've said it, I've said it already many, many times. I said it 12, 13 years ago. Too many organizations have form myopia where the system is really the form. When they talk about changing the system, they're really talking about changing the form. But the form's not the system. And when it becomes the system, why doesn't anyone say anything about the loss of all that historical data associated with the old form? Nobody ever talks about it. And the reason why is the person who's recommending it has no stake in the old form. They want to make their bones on the new form. The entire system of performance reviews, remember this, is about succession planning. Remember, again, early reviews were not shared with the person being rated. The system ought to be maximized around that goal. More data, more often, actually not more data, more input, more insight from more and different managers is better for succession planning. If we assume that to be true, a required annual review as the sole input to the system from a manager who may or may not have a year's worth of performance evaluation on a ratee isn't the bare minimum the organization can do. It's not close to even in the ballpark of bare minimum. It's sinful, frankly. In our system, in our recommended system, every employee is reviewed annually at a minimum when they have say, stayed in the same job, working for the same manager that entire time. In other words, when we say reviewed annually, we don't mean calendar year. We mean on the 12-month anniversary of their last review, assuming that neither they, nor their role, nor their job have changed. Now, for a lot of you, I just want to make an aside here and say, for a lot of you, you think, oh, well, that never happens. Okay. That's fine. And you're probably guilty, as I have been many times in my life, of assuming that your career is much like other people's careers. But folks, I can assure you, for the vast majority of workers in corporations, no matter how dynamic you talk about the world being, the vast majority of people have the same boss in the same role for a full 12 months. Now, at managerial levels, at executive levels, very different. And we know that our audience skews toward master's degrees and more managers and directors and senior managers and senior directors and VPs and so on. But for the vast majority of people, if, if you think about the pyramid and the number of people at the bottom of the pyramid being as big as everybody on top of them, for the vast majority of people, this is what they're going to get. At the end of 12 months, from whenever they got their first, their last review, the system will say, okay, it's time for you to have another review. And to be clear, I said not calendar. Reviews are based on a person's start date. What this means is, I think if you follow it to your conclusion. Start date of the job, right? Well, yes, but, but only in the sense that they start on their start date. So if, if Ozan hires Horstman and I stay working for you for a year, I'm going to get a review at the end of that year. If I start in March, I'm going to get a review the next March. And we'll talk more about this in a minute. But if 90 days later, you get promoted, you owe me review. That's called a change of uh, uh, rate or review. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. Okay. And at that point, that's the start of my 12-month period again. 
Right. So you're going to get reviews at different times of year throughout the year. What this means, guys, is that Horseman's Christmas rule no longer applies. For those of you who aren't, uh, uh, if you're a relatively new listener, you may not have heard of Horseman's Christmas rule. And what that is, is uh, we're recording this between Christmas and New Year's. So if you celebrate Christmas or the holidays this time of year with your family, um, you probably look forward to it. Certainly, if you have children in the house, you look forward to it. If you have children who are grown, like I do, you look forward to the kids coming back home, as many of you can make it. And you love this time of year. In other words, it's important to you, and you do it rarely. And at the end of the time, you're wiped out. You, there's a lot of stress, even though you think it's going to be great. The kids are going to be here. Oh, it's going to be great. Santa's going to come. And at the end of it, as much as you look forward to it, you're wiped out. And every year you think, I'll come up with systems and processes, for the lights and the tree and all of this stuff. But at the end of the year, the time between Christmas and New Year is pretty dead for a lot of people. There's sort of a holiday hangover period. That's Horseman's Christmas rule. Anything that is important to you that you do rarely, you're not good at. The present system where people get annual performance reviews codifies, strengthens bad performance of managers writing reviews because you have to write a bunch of them all at once. And it's been a year since you did it. And you probably didn't do a great job last year and your boss didn't teach you how to do it. And for most cases, there are certainly some exceptions. And I tip my hat to those good HR organizations in the world, but most organizations don't do any training on this stuff. So our point is we don't wait until Christmas. Virtually every manager all throughout the year is going to be doing reviews because your people will have started at different times of the year. You will have started at different times. One person will leave your team. Another person will join and you'll have to write reviews throughout the year. It will become a regular thing. Now, suddenly people are realizing, oh, now I really want a one page form. Hey, guess what? We already gave that to you. So again, performance reviews don't occur except by happenstance at the end of each calendar year. They're based on the person's start date and then on their role and their rater. And very quickly after that, you're right, Mike, the start date becomes mute, moot because the change of rater, the change of duty, and so on requires a review. And then everybody's on a different timeline. Now, HR is going, oh, oh this isn't good. It's so easy doing it annually. And I, I, I respect that. That's why we do have a performance review system the way we do is because it makes it easier for HR. No. Yeah. I think if I can say to my, um, I, can't, I can't actually say the word because I'm sitting at my desk right now at home. And if I say the word, I'm afraid that my Echo Dot will immediately come alive and say, I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. But um, when you can speak, hey, what time is it? Or, hey, what's the weather like? Or. What time is it in Melbourne, Australia? Whatever. If your system can do that, a fairly inexpensive, not terribly complex system can keep track of everybody's reviews. One of the truly absurd artifacts of current review systems is everybody getting reviewed at the end of the year. It really is. But it makes it easier for the administration of the system. But we shouldn't be trying to make a system which is about effectiveness, efficient in administration. We should be focused on the effectiveness of the system. And the effectiveness of performance management has to do with the quality, frequency, depth, and insight involved in the data communicated from the manager who represents the company to the employee to the organization as a whole, generally represented by the HR organization. 
A manager has to, who has to review 10 people, 10 employees all at the same time, having done no reviews in the previous 12 months, is not going to handle it well. And again, particularly if he or she hasn't been trained or it's not communicated or directors say to their managers, oh, you know, I rated you. Yeah, you've been rated. You kind of know how the system works. If you have any questions, go to HR. Now, look, longtime community members will remember Horseman's Christmas rule, but now the rest of you know it as well. Does anybody doubt that planning and goal setting for the coming new year and personal development discussions are significantly degraded by the massive administrative work required of managers in creating the performance reviews? Because performance reviews are tracked because it's part of succession planning even if your company doesn't talk to you much about it. But development plans, I would be willing to bet the over and under on development plans that are not achieved is 85%. Only 15% of development plans are achieved. Uh, and I think that number is probably pretty close to 75% by the middle of the year. And a part of it is because it's an afterthought, because I don't write reviews, and then I have to write a review, and the review is stressful. I'm waiting for mine from my boss. He didn't even ask me for any self-evaluation and input. And then, oh, by the way, I have to come up with a development plan for my people too. Yeah. All of that, that orgy of work during the calendar year-end annual review process is over the top, egregious, okay? It literally introduces a scheduled weakness in a, or perhaps the talent management process the organization has. But in our system, we get rid of that. We don't do this in December unless it just happens that somebody changes a job in December or January. It's a beautiful thing. I think so. Good. It only took me 20 years to develop it. <laughs> All right. We're, I think we're at a good stopping point until next week, where we'll continue with uh, part three. Okay, great. All right, my friend. Have a great one. Thanks, partner. See y'all later. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll continue on this topic next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long. 